Come in. Hey, man, I'm sorry I'm late. The train's Shut up! You're here! And good thing, because we've got lots of work. The talk show featuring unforgettable guests with incredible jobs. And now, here's my boss and your host, Katie Lazarus. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Employee of the Month. In this episode, I spoke with Sid Butler. It was taped live at Joe's Pub. And Sid is the basis for Les Savvy Fav. Uh, he also started French Kiss Records. And it is really worth checking out what they do. Just to get a sense of where the music industry is today, I think it's one of the rare, rare publishing companies that really values uh, musicians, probably because it was started by musicians who are also still playing. So I hope you enjoy our interview. We got way too deep into family relationships because we grew up in an area where there were not a lot of misfits, so all the misfits knew of each other. I was the uh, nerdy one in the relationship. I know that sounds strange, but it was a joy to, to sit with Sid. And he also plays with Seth Jabber and Amber Tamlin at this taping, so you will hear them. Amber is a poet as well as an actor on uh, the very erudite production Two and a Half Men and Seth and Sid right now have another day job in addition to Les Savvy Fab and French Kiss Records and that is being part of the house band on Late Night with Seth Meyers because apparently um, you can't just have one job in the music industry you still need to have three even when you're very very successful here's our interview thank you band I first want to say thank you because as a band member on Seth Meyers most of the guests come out and wave to the audience but never acknowledge the band so thanks for the head nod Eric, Tim, Andrew, Chris thank you so much for being here remembers our names too that's beautiful humble gentlemen here and Michael of course with your artistic talent and now you're going to turn your back to the I don't know what your name what's your name (laughs) (laughs) um so I spoke with a very reliable source about you um growing up and she said that uh you well, she was very proud of your breakdancing skills, and I wanted to find out um, if the breakdancing inspired you to do ballroom dancing um, when you were in middle school. The breakdancing is true for sure. Yeah. Um, I still try to breakdance still daily. Is that true? Can you show us? Um, I could do a little bit. There was a guy named Maddie um, that was so good at breakdancing. I don't know if you remember Maddie. No. But he actually went on tour for Loud Records and worked with Biggie Smalls, so he kept wow. the trajectory going. But he was a phenomenal breakdancer. Did he grow up with us? Yes, he went to our school. Okay. Uh, we you guys grew up together? Yeah, we did. We, we did. Yeah, we did. Um, I was the cool kid in the relationship. <laughs> that is true. Um, I do want to say really nice things about um, Katie's mother, Roz. <laughs> She's a great talker. Um... <laughs> My wife, Amy, is in the back here, and there have been many times where Roz has cornered us. And, talk dad, talk dad. Um, and filled us with enough information um, that we have learned um, lots of things over the years from Roz. But she is a true inspiration. I really love your mother. All right, so I will, I will curb my questions then. I will ask diplomatic questions. But yeah, Maddie uh, so was a great So that you don't spill yeah. any information. Um, how did attending ballroom dancing with girls in white gloves 
Ball, and Laura, was Ashley dry, Laura Ashley dresses inspire you to go into the ska scene. I was... Um, <laughs> well, let's start with ballroom dancing first. Okay. I was terrible. And I definitely went into ballroom dancing. We had to wear white gloves. Um, my, but I couldn't go to yours because I was Jewish. Yeah, well, you we had know, to go to the fake one, the faux one. Sorry. There's a great joke about wasps. Um, and she should be glad that you're not a wasp, which is, why don't wasps have orgies? Why? Too many thank you notes. <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is there some sort of drum roll I could get for that? <laughs> so you were spared that. Um, but yeah, I went to ballroom. Day. I, my mother was head of the Washington Ballet for a long time. So I did ballet for years, and then it was the natural progression to go to ballroom dancing. Afterwards. Um, but I was terrible at it. Um, so then I went to break dancing. And your um, sister was a ballerina? Yes, my sister was on her way to being a prima, but then got ill. Yes. Um, but I still God got, bless her. I still got her toe shoes signed by her, and she went off to have an amazing acting career. So. Oh, that's very supportive of you. Yes, my sister lives in L.A. and is an actress, um, photographer... Um, supportive yoga instructor. Um, she does a lot of great things. <laughs> I do love my sister very much. Um, but my wife is the accomplished actress in the family. Oh, I'm glad that there can only be one. There's not enough room for more than one actress in the family. <laughs> Definitely not in Hollywood. That is fair that Hollywood may not be as, as thoughtful about those, those things. But I was very excited to get my toe shoes signed by her, and I still have a picture. She was a great dancer. She was a phenomenal ballet dancer, for sure. Um, so it sounds like you guys had a lot of art in your family, and I have a picture of you from when you were little uh, performing. Oh, that's me from yesterday. <laughs> Okay, this is me. Um, I was obsessed with Gene Simmons. <laughs> I was seven years old here in this photo. That's my next door neighbor, Scott Verstandick, who looks about 30 years older than I do now. <laughs> Are those socks on the outside of his pants? Um, yes, yes, that was the look. If, if you could scroll down on this photo, my, pant, my socks are just about where the knees are. Um, I think I had an armadillo in my trousers there. Um, but that was our uh, fireplace broom. Um, but I was obsessed with Kiss, and I went to Kiss. This was my first concert, um, and I slept through it. Um, but I was happy to say that I saw Kiss at the age of seven. And the Scott scene was, was huge when we were growing up. How did, how did you get involved? And I know that you were friends with Ian Mackay. Um, I'm still obsessed with Ian Mackay, and I get nervous around him. He's the only person that I get like a little kid around. Um, and Tell I was, everyone who that is. Uh, Ian Mackay, sorry for people who aren't in the know, uh, is a man who lives in Washington, D.C. still, and he started a record label called Discord Records. Um, if you don't know that label, you should look it up. Uh, he also was the singer of a band called Minor Threat. He started a movement um, which has been now... Uh, Perverted in a weird way. It's called Straight Edge. And he, in this late 70s, early 80s, was tired of, of all of his friends doing drugs and drinking and partying until the break of dawn in D.C. So he started a movement where he didn't drink or didn't smoke or do drugs. And now it's become this insanely weird right-wing movement that is so far away from his initial thought. Um, but there was always that mix. There were, there were skinheads in that mix as well. Already. Yeah, D.C. was really... 
um, uncomfortable and violent and scary, but also had these weird rules growing up where if you didn't do drugs and people respected that, then you were somehow safe. And if yeah. you said, oh, I'm going to do crack, then you got shot. Um, it Wait, was I mean, very our- really black and white. And literally, black and white. Our mayor had a, a neti pot that he was addicted to. Uh, I feel yes, like our basketball Baron. team was the bullets. We were like the highest murder rate in the country. Yeah, I think there was like, it was a lot of day. But it was fun. Yeah. Um, Lots but, of culture. But that is when you started really performing was in high school. Yes, so I was very lucky uh, when I was uh, in the eighth grade. I went to see a band play. Um, D.C. at that time was very different than New York. Uh, they had a lot of shows in churches and community centers that Ian and the scene had sort of uh, promoted, which is a very do-it-yourself scene. Um, so a lot of people were picking up instruments and bands were being formed and people were moving from outside of, you know, basically moving to D.C. to start bands to be part of this this scene. Um, and I was lucky enough to be at a party one day and met Ian's little sister, Amanda. And that's and how you started Desiderata. Yes, yeah, so we just started a band called Desiderata. Desiderata. Yeah, which is a poem. Yeah. It's not a rap song. I have trouble with narcissistic, too. I had to, I was a, had to do speech therapy for a long time because I couldn't say squirrel. Squirrel. That's a tough one for me. Okay. There are a bunch that are still tough. I can't even spell them either. I've given up. <laughs> Do you have any more fun photos of me? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this photo was taken in Australia. So, you know. um, so, wait, so, th- so from there you went on to do... Should we just go... We'll go yeah, forward. Can, but you've, go. Been, you've been performing music your whole life. Yes, yeah, so um, I bought a really shitty bass called a Washburn and taught myself how to play. And here's a fun fact. Uh, the bass player of Fugazi, which is uh, Ian Kai's later band and one of his most famous bands, um, and to promote Fugazi for two seconds, they only played shows for $5. Yeah. And they're the only band in history that beat Ticketmaster. I think Pearl Jam and other bands went on to try to reduce their ticket prices, but Fugazi is the only band that basically gave Ticketmaster the finger, and um, Ticketmaster then charged a dollar fee, so then Fugazi's shows became $6. Um, and their thought on that was that some shows were amazing and you could have paid 20 or $50 for it because it was, it blew your mind. But some shows, they were tired and didn't really couldn't do it. So they didn't want to rip their audience off. So they thought that $5 was a good amount of money. And did that kind of thinking of thinking about the audience go into when you started French Kiss Records? Because in addition to being a bassist, you also started a record company. Yeah, um, my bandmate Seth is in the audience and hopefully will be joining me on stage later to play some improvised music. But uh, we started a band in college. We went to Rhode Island School of Design and we were all obsessed with this idea of do-it-yourself. Didn't want anyone to control how, we, how our art was presented. Yeah. So going back to Discord, um, there were a bunch of labels at the time when there was this amazing community of music that doesn't actually, I don't think, exist really anymore. Um, but there was a label in Chicago called Touch and Go, and there was a guy named Jonathan Ponerman that was started a label called Sub Pop, which everyone knows because of Nirvana. Great guy, amazing person. And there was a guy named Corey Rusk that did Touch and Go, but sort of these three labels were sort of the cornerstone of this indie music rock scene. 
um, that was very small and it was it, it was amazing to grow up and be a part of it because we would get in a van and we would stay on people's floors and they would make dinner for us and, and it wasn't so much about making it more as experiencing it. Touring can get really dirty though. Like what do you do when a driver doesn't like change his underpants? You know, he just keeps switching uh, it around. Yes. Um, well, the, uh, we had, I know where you're going with this. Uh, we booked our own tours and, and um, one time the Savoyafav went to Europe and the first time we went there, we flew into England, and a friend of ours had recommended this driver named Jan. And Jan, Seth, where is Jan from? He was in Scandinavia, and we were promised, Norway, thank you, and we were promised that he was a great driver. So we landed in London, this guy shows up, and he has no bags, no clothes, nothing. He just, and then he gets in the car, and he'd never driven before in his life. (laughs) He was a writer for a Norwegian newspaper. And he started, and now imagine you fly over to London, sort of your first time, you're nervous, you don't know this guy. He shows up at the airport, and you're driving on the wrong side of the road, and then you're driving stick or manual on the wrong side. So we get in the car, and this is before the Euro, and literally we're in the parking lot at Heathrow in a van, and it's like, and I'm the worst control freak driver. And I was like, this dude, you got to be moving over. So after a seven-hour flight, I start very quickly learning how to drive stick shift. And then we drive to Germany and, and France, and, and we get to the border, and I didn't have a license. Um, so then Jan had to get in the driver's seat <laughs> and literally, like, chicken-headed through the border <laughs> as we sort of sputtered through, and then... I. And there was one time, I think, in Germany, we were so anxious because he was, just didn't know how to drive that we were screaming at him at the top of our lungs, like, pull over, just fucking pull over, and he wouldn't do it. And finally, we did, I, I can't remember what happened, but I, to, I digress. He had never learned how to shave, and it was quite traumatic, and he also had no clothes. So, Wait, at all? No, no clothing? Literally, he showed up in the clothes that he was going on a six-week tour with. Okay, so he had one set of clothing. Yeah, the clothes, like your clothes, like this, okay, your, so this dress, dress and underwear and shoes. He wasn't shoes. naked. I just want to make sure and clarify. He wasn't nice naked. Dress. He wasn't naked. Thank you. And six weeks, you're in this dress. So at one point, we're like, dude, what are you doing with your underwear? And what he was doing was he was inverting it. He would wear it a week, <laughs> then take it off, and then wear the other side, and then wash it. But that wasn't the worst part. The worst part is he didn't know how to shave. So he sort of had this stubble after a while. And then the last day we had a meeting with this potential label um, head, and he showed up. And he was just, it was like Carrie. It was just blood dripping down his face. And we were like, John, what is going on with you? He's like, oh, I just shaved. And he, he learned to shave. He unfortunately didn't have a dad that taught him how to do this, but he just dry raised it, dry cut it. So it was just like a bobcat just like mauled his face with this, it was horrible. And we're at this meeting where we're trying to like impress this label and this roadie comes out, just blood dripping down. Horrible, yeah. I wanted to ask a little bit about marketing. That was one thing. I have some pictures of your band that we can just, this is Le Savvy Fab. Does anyone know this band or any fans of the band? I just, this is sort of when you guys were younger, and now I have one when you guys are a little bit older. Jason, if we can go to the next one. But I just, I really wanted to ask, like, how, when you guys do, like, when you decide to do your, your, no, 
not just your pictures, but also your titles for albums. Like, tell me your thought process. Like, how did you come up with this? Um. <laughs> this was a lot of fun, this tour. <laughs> um. This is a tour book. So when you go on tour, guys, when you guys go on tour... Totally. Um, when you guys take this on the road, uh, you'll have a tour manager who will make a book. And this was designed by a guy named Sean, who works for All Tomorrow's Parties. And he took the piss out of us. And he actually made pictures of everyone in the band all looking like a bunch of 70s nerds that go into English boarding school. Um, great guy. And, but yeah, so when you open this up, it'd have like your day, you know, your show up at this venue at 4 p.m. Did someone bring their kids? Yeah, they didn't approve. <laughs> I know some babysitters if you need one. <laughs> Sid. Not me. Just, 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 I'm terrible. You just went over how expensive preschool is. I told you guys at the beginning. Your babysitting is insane. Don't get me started. If I quit <laughs> Seth Meyers, I'm starting a full-on babysitting situation. It's the, all cash, desperate parents. It's the great way to go. Oh my God, please, can you come to my house at 9 to 12 and I'll pay you $100 cash? <laughs> I can watch Netflix at your house? No problem. Great. It's Easiest job in the world. I think I'm going to do that. Can we work for you? Um, please. I, I would love to, to um, see you guys perform. Let's... let's. Um, That's not going to happen. But I, th- I thought that Seth came here and... Yeah, Seth is here. Seth is here. God bless Seth. Maybe you guys, maybe Seth could come out and you guys could... You guys, this is Seth Jabor. And Amber Tamlin. And this is our good friend Amber Tamlin, who has a new book of poetry that um, I want to promote. So we're going to make up some music right now for you. We have never practiced this at all, and I hope it's not a disaster. Ladies and gentlemen, Miss Amber Tamlin and Seth Jabor. Did you, did you come up with your name before you got the job? S- Seth, did you get the job on Seth Meyers first and then come up with your name, or was that after? Never mind. It was a dad joke. You know, and then you, like, repeat it, being like, maybe it'll be funny this time if I just repeat it. I know. Thank you. I know. I know. You were thrown by it. Traumatized. But not as bad as Sid's sister by this. Guys. Hello. I know you guys are very excited about poetry right now. Is this what's about to happen? Your guitar is pink. That makes me very happy. It's pink. God bless you. What do I want? That's a big question. Let's do a four for four. Let's do... Feel free to laugh along. Dear men in Congress, you think banning birth control is conservative progress. You think sanctioning my ovaries won't bring me to violence? I tell you what to do with your caucus. It is now illegal to think about me topless, to keep your lotion where your socks is, to refer to powerful women as monsters like those jocks at Fox did. 
I am not afraid to cock block dick. To sew an instructional video for rape kits to your eyelids and make you watch it. I'll take away your golf clubs and gun clips. I'm gonna fix this by getting you fixed. Enough's enough, kid. Come on, stop that. If you want to make this law, then here's your law rap. You have the right to get strangled by a bra strap. Anything you sexualize will and can get strangled by a block trap. I'll shove your life in a duffel bag. Hand it over to a sex trafficker and let him smuggle that. You want to cuddle, Dad? No, you cannot touch me. Not anymore. Don't do it. Do not touch me. I am so pissed. I forgot how to rhyme. I hate you so much. I forgot what I was talking about. Jay-Z, do something! I am the single white female of you die in the end. This is do or die. These are the new rules I play by, okay? White guy. Ladies, testify. It's time to put a rule on the floor against chromosome Y. All in favor, say aye. You guys, thank you so much to Seth, Amber, Sid. I know that you're in favor of babysitters, so I got you a little... Thank you. Sesame Street bag with, I think this is the Grinch. It's um, not the Grinch. The Grouch. Which one is this one? Oscar he lives in the garbage can. Yeah. He's pretty grumpy. Um, and I got you a, a book about role models because you've always been one, and I feel oh, like in the music yeah. industry you certainly are one. Um, so I hope you continue to keep all of your J jobs, um, and hopefully we'll see you later on in the show. Thank you so much for having What a Treat. I'm so proud of you as well, Katie. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode of Employee of the Month. I'm your host, Katie Lazarus. Thank you to Ian Mazoff, to Jelly D, the greatest intern. He really is a great intern. And thanks to all of you for listening. Please check out employeeofthemonthshow.com for future episodes. You can come to live tapings. You can listen to the podcast. And you can just be you there. And that's what matters most. 